Welcome back to Code Red for Humanity. As you might have noticed, we have not really been uploading this semester. This is because both Lars and I have been busy with writing our bachelor's thesis. And while we might not have had the time to edit and upload episodes, fortunately we did have the time to record some more interesting interviews. So we're going to release them now during the summer before we're going to graduate in September. We have a few more episodes from our segment Green Careers where we talk to people that work in jobs in the sustainable job market. Today we have a very interesting guest in that regard. We're talking to Eva Hanratz. She's a matchmaker at Sustainable Talent, something we more commonly refer to as recruitment. She matches individuals that want to work in the sustainable job market with companies that match their values and their skills and expectations. Today she's talking to us about the matchmaking process, the importance of company culture and also her personal trajectory from a bachelor's degree that is very similar to international studies to some internships, to her master's and ultimately to her current job at Sustainable Talent. Obviously, we're also using this opportunity to pick her brain about the sustainable job market at large and we're asking her what skills are needed and where the job market is heading. I hope you're going to enjoy listening to this episode as much as I liked recording it and I'm sure you're going to learn quite a bit about green careers. So today we talk to Eva. She's a matchmaker, a recruiter at Sustainable Talent. Thank you so much for coming onto our podcast. We really appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much for the invite. Um, yeah, can you maybe tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, like Anne already said, my name is uh, Eva. I'm 25 years old. I live in Utrecht for already six years, I think. I came there for my uh, bachelor studies. I grew up in Amsterdam, um, but yeah, like I said, I uh, came to Utrecht for my uh, for my studies. Yeah, maybe a bit more about myself. I, in my gap year after my uh, high school, I also lived in Spain for a year, um, and later on my exchange during my bachelor's, I also lived in uh, in Chile. Um, so I think. Yeah, I always tell this because I think it has also become part of my identity. Um, and yeah, I really like and enjoy the Spanish language and culture. Besides that, I also enjoy cooking, like Otolenghi or Ayurvedic uh, cooking. <laughs> uh, and doing sports like yoga and kickboxing. And um, yeah, as of September, I started working at Sustainable Talent as a matchmaker and HR advisor. And Sustainable Talent is a career consultancy. So we, yeah, I always explain it that we do two things. So on the one hand, we work for professionals who either want to start working in sustainability or who want to make the switch uh, to work uh, in sustainability. Uh, so we have coaching and trainings uh, for that. And on the other hand, we also work on the employer side. So we work together with organizations um, yeah, so we do matchmaking and recruitment, like I already said. Um, and we're also lately developing a bit on that side um, that we're moving towards advising other organizations also on how to be like a better sustainable employer um, and also how sustainability can be embedded through the entire organization. 
So that's uh, in short a little bit about myself. <laughs> okay, interesting. Um, I think since you are now working in sustainability, it would be really interesting to hear a bit more about how you got interested in sustainability in the first place. Well, it already started like a long time ago. I think when I was really young, I was already raising money for the Worldwide Fund for Nature. Um, but that was like when I was still uh, still a kid. And later on, I got especially more interested on the social side of sustainability. And that was, I think, when I was around 18, I got active uh, for Amnesty International. And I got really interested in human rights, which yeah also defined uh, yeah my later choices in life uh, for things that I've done later on. So especially because when I started studying my bachelor's language and culture studies in Utrecht, um, I also became active for the Amnesty International Student Group. Um, so in the first year, more as like a uh, yeah, committee member. And in my second year, I did also a board year there. I think for me, sustainability for quite a long time was really also on this social aspect. So human rights, yeah, I think is also about sustainability. So that was when yeah, I really started to get interested in that uh, field. And later on, between my bachelor's and master's, I also did an SDG traineeship to get like a more broad picture about um, what the SDGs are about. And of course, that also entails more than just uh, human rights, but also climate, etc. This was at the SDG house in Amsterdam, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, okay. And what exactly are they? Are they like an incubator? Or well, SDG House, um, well, yeah, you have like SDG House, which is, I think, also kind of a network organization um, for organizations that are working with or on their SDGs. Mm-hmm. Um, and they organized a traineeship um, together with the Rock Group, which is a consultancy firm in Amsterdam um, that also work on implementing and, yeah, the strategic part of sustainability. And they organized a traineeship, an SDG traineeship um, for yeah, starters, I think from between uh, 21 and 27 or 30 years old um, to work on the SDGs. And then you work together in a group uh, with fellow students, but from different disciplines um, on a case study, on a real life case study for a different organization. Yeah, so yeah. having that bit more, more cultural background in your, um, in your studies, how would you say does that affect the way you do now? What are maybe skills that you learned there that um, you could transfer to your current job? Yes, definitely. Well, um, like, well, maybe it's also good to give a bit background information in what I actually uh, studied because, well, for my bachelor's, I uh, did uh, in Utrecht and I did language and culture studies, which is quite a broad study. Uh, it's very similar to liberal arts and sciences. Maybe and I like think, yeah, and probably also like international <laughs> studies. Um, so I was really like fond of the study because I could continue learning and improving my Spanish. Um, and I could also develop my other interests. And in your second year, you choose like a major and you have your electives. Um, and well, at first I also thought like, oh, um, I want to work more on human rights and also on the on the policy, on the content. But um, later on, and I will also come back to that, but also due to my uh, internships uh, and experiences at Amnesty International, I shifted indeed a bit more um, towards, oh, I don't really want to work necessarily like 
uh, on this content, but more on the organization. I found it really interesting to see, okay, how do people work well together, especially from different cultures, um, and how, um, what makes people like their, their job and what role does sustainability plays in that, in that question. Mm -hmm. And um, I, that's why I also chose my master. I already made a, a bit of a shift uh, in my decision for the master because eventually I did a master culture organization and management. Um, and that's, yeah, also already the shift. Um, and then to come back to your question about uh, what skills I learned at those studies is also, um, well, I think like for my bachelor's, and I think that's generally what you learn from academia is to have a very critical view at things and also to look at topics from multiple perspectives. I was going to say, so an interdisciplinary... Yeah, yeah, science. yeah. So I'm, I assume that you also yeah. Yeah, <laughs> see that as a basic, uh, basic skill that you learn at the university. And during my master's, I really got to learn more in detail um, like how to look at organizations so how to approach organizations and to also kind of taste an organizational culture mm -hmm. because we looked at organizations uh, through like an anthropology oh. anthropology <laughs> Anthro yeah anthropological <laughs> perspective um, and that's also if you look at what I'm doing now uh, is has also been very relevant and important because um, I think I, yeah, especially th by, through my master's, I learned how to yeah, look at organization and also um, to see also as a recruiter if there's, for example, like a cultural match between a candidate and the organization itself, because mm -hmm. that can also differ a lot. So, like a candidate could have a perfect resume, um, be very motivated to work at a, at a certain organization, but... If there's not like a cultural match, it can be really hard to make it work in practice. And it can also work the other way around, I would say, because if someone um, may someone may not really have the perfect resume, but still uh, make can make a great fit within the organization, and then it can only enrich, enrich the organization itself. Um, but yeah, that's easier said than done. But how would a cultural like match look like would that be like the values of um that are agreeing of like the person and the organization would that be one dimension or like is it more like the work environment or the work standards yeah good question i think it's very both ways so um indeed like what you said it's very based on values and of course that's important that a candidate can relate to the organization's mission and how they are working um, and especially the latter is also important because, uh, for example, it depends also a lot on the organization itself. Because if it's a very commercial um, company that does great things within sustainability, um, they're still also commercial. So this also has to be um, a preference or something for the, for the candidate itself because um, they can yeah make a good impact but if if you don't have that commercial know-how um it will be a bit harder it also depends of course on the on the function and everything but um yeah then it will be harder so that's i think where the cultural match mm -hmm. is yeah i think it's interesting because like uh, i mean i've had like i don't know 15 jobs or something most of them like in the service sector mm -hmm. and i've only been at one company that actually like had a company culture 
And uh, to be completely honest with you, in the beginning, like I was a bit like, I don't know if this is going to make a big difference because to me, it just was maybe like, I was kind of thinking it could be just empty words to have all of these values. But I really have to say it made a big, big difference because like one of their values was, for example, that like you're allowed to make mistakes and that like it's fine. And um, I feel like so many other companies where I was at, you would really get reprimanded like super quickly for making a tiny mistake. And I feel like just having that as a value, as a base, like core value really made a difference in like the environment. So, yeah, I can really see how that's like um, actually really helpful. Is that like also more a thing like nowadays than maybe it used to be in the past? Yeah, I do think that we see more and more that cultural that the cultural part of the organization itself is getting more important. And I also get this question a lot from candidates that I'm interviewing, for example, like, oh, what is the culture like and what um, what is the workload like and how do people interact with each other? And well, for some uh, organizations, I can answer these questions because I know a bit more about the culture. But sometimes I also find it hard because I'm not working at that company myself, of course. Um, that's why I also really like to uh, to visit the if we have like a new um, client for example i always really like to visit the the company also on location itself because that yeah really makes you feel and yeah taste and see um what it's really like to to work there yeah. or why well, of course it's never really the same as actually working <laughs> there but i think you you know what i mean yeah sort of moving more uh, towards sustainable talent uh, where you work right now. Uh, how would you describe the, the work culture there? So your, the environment, the work environment? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, well, sustainable talent is already founded 12 years ago. Um, so I wouldn't say that we are a startup, um, although we probably have some things in common uh, with other, yeah, with startups. Um, but yeah, no, we, so now we're more in the face of a, of a scale up, but uh, as we're also really growing, yeah, as we're also growing really fast. Um, but I think the culture at Sustainable Talent, well, we're a small company. So we're now with um, four people. Um, and this also means that, that also says quite a lot, I think about the culture because uh, it's quite, it can be quite chaotic um but it can there's also a lot of room for creativity so if you have a good idea it's like okay well just go for it and do it and see where it's uh, where it ends uh and also like what you mentioned and it's that uh, making mistakes is is really part of the culture that that's all fine mm -hmm. which i really like because it's my first job and i think it's obvious that you make mistakes um we really see that it's important to learn by by doing um so I'm sure that also Anique has probably plenty uh, examples of things that have been gone wrong in the in the past. But um, yeah, I think there's there's a lot of room for for a lot of things. Um, but then again, it's also because we're small. It's also important to stay focused because we cannot do everything at the same time. So we also really have to see. Okay, like uh, we're with four people. So okay. Is this on if we get like uh, questions or whatever then we have to see okay is this part of our priorities and then we have to see um, if it's yes or no and what does matchmaking look like um, you kind of told us roughly the outline that you kind of match the company and the person but yeah, yeah how do you do that <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, how do you do that? Well, it starts, of course, with a question like, oh, we are looking for, well, let's say a sustainability consultant. Um, so then it starts with like a sort of intake and we also have to see what the probability of the of the profile is because some t- we get often like requests for profiles which so many high standards and that it's kind of like a junior paid position but they require like a really long list of uh, skills that people need and knowledge so we see that so then we're also like okay maybe that's not really realistic that we can be able to find that person for you and sometimes also that vacancy is already open at the company itself for like a year and then we also have to see okay yeah, is this really realistic that we are going to able to find that that person? Mm-hmm. Um, but well, okay, if that's not the case, and if we think like, oh, we can, we think there's, a, we can match this uh, with, yeah, someone we know or for the job, then we start to yeah publish the the vacancy online. So and we have uh, several platforms where we post the vacancy. So LinkedIn is important for us. Green jobs. Uh, indeed still and then also we have a big uh, network of our own because a lot of people we have old trainees coaches that follow trainings with us um, for the past 12 years so that keeps on growing and uh, we always also look in our own network oh do we have persons on mind that might already be suitable right away for this position um so then we will contact them and then plan interviews and in the meantime having contact with the clients uh, to see whether the expectations are being met um so yeah then it goes uh, goes like that but it's it's i have to say it's it has been quite tough lately um because we really see from close uh from yeah a close perspective how that the labor market is really tight so it's it's has been quite hard to find uh, the right candidates. So what does your regular workday look like? Do you have a regular workday or is it different every day? Um, yeah, I think uh, I think the latter, it's, it differs a lot. Um, I do have to say that on, on Monday and Thursday, we are as a team yeah, expected at the office. So then we work together and... I also noticed that these days are also real or those days are also really uh, busy and um, also a bit chaotic sometimes um, and also filled with like meetings. So we have our weekly team meeting, for example, on Monday morning. On Thursday, we have our weekly recruitment uh, meeting with our matchmaker, yeah, with our recruiters, matchmakers. Um, and also, so those days are also always really full with working together on projects and um yeah, everything you might need from a different colleague, you can ask on those days. And then on the rest of the days, uh, I work a bit more individually. So um, I will write uh, newsletters or social media posts or, for example, well, tomorrow I can tell you what my day uh, <laughs> looks like tomorrow. Um, I will have to work on a presentation also for university that we're also going to give a presentation um, about also the sustainable job market. And I have two interviews with candidates for a job for which we are recruiting. So these interviews, I will also have to prepare these interviews. So look at the candidates' resumes and motivational letters. So I can also, well, just like you are <laughs> doing now, but you probably know how it looks like a bit. 
Um, so I will have to prepare these interviews and also to work these interviews out uh, afterwards to send it to a client. And I will have to write um, a social media post. Yeah, that might sort of yeah not be the most chronological uh, way to do things. But uh, I'm also wondering how you found the job. Yeah, that's a that's a nice question. Um, it's actually quite a funny story because, as I already mentioned, I did the SDG traineeship in 2021, and there was also well, so we worked on yeah the real life uh, case together with other students. And every Tuesday, there would be like an expert speaking. And one of those times, it was Anique Smedes, who is now my boss at Sustainable Talent. She was one of the, <coughs> excuse me, she was one of the experts uh, talking about uh, the sustainable job market and about transition phases of companies. And I was really inspired by that talk. So I, um, I remember I was in Spain at that time, also working uh, remotely. Um, and I remember like walking on the streets and being like really happy, like, oh, this is so cool. I really want to stay in contact with the company or maybe uh, I would really like to work there one day. Um, so I sent Anique also a message the next the day after the, her talk uh, to tell her that I was really inspired by her talk. And if there was ever a job opening or an internship position um, that, yeah, if she could uh, think of me. <laughs> And then, well, fast forward a year later, I was looking for a place to do my research at for my master thesis. And I already had some things, um, yeah, running, but nothing really concrete. And I was also a bit like, oh, what shall I do? And then I thought like, ah, I still have um, sustainable talent. Maybe I can contact Anique once again. And so I did. And she also responded really enthusiastically. So we had a call and a sort of interview about my research and everything. Um, and then it was like, okay, yeah, when can you start for the, uh, for the internship? And then I could, I think I started like a month later or something uh, in February last year. So I did a sort of research internship there for three months. Um, and then I had to finish my thesis in for also two months. And then I could start in uh, September. She already offered me a job before the end of my uh, thesis deadline. So yeah. that was a nice perspective. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what kind of research did you do there? I, um, what I did was that what I, and also Anique experienced a lot, is that uh, on the one hand, you have a lot of organizations that uh, need to become more sustainable or that are already sustainable, um, but still have a lot of job openings and at the same time there are also a lot of professionals who want to work in sustainability uh, or who want to do more with sustainability in their jobs so you could say that there's sort of a gap between these two so yeah because there are a lot of job openings but at the same time also a lot of people want to work within sustainability so i was kind of curious about um where this came from so and how this could be potentially fixed so um i interviewed a lot of these sustainability driven professionals uh and also on the other hand i also interviewed well mostly hr professionals to see like okay what hurdles are you experiencing in finding the right people for the job um and also yeah i also asked the same kind of questions to these professionals to see where this gap came from 
what I mean obviously you can't like summarize a master's thesis <laughs> like super quickly but what was your main conclusion um well like I already said before I think that employers still have high expectations of the people that they are hiring so they're always looking yeah there's like an expression in Dutch for the sheep with five legs so like the perfect candidate who has it all um and so who has and the years of experience and uh, all the skills and knowledge well you name it um so i think that was well maybe it was kind of obvious but that was like uh something i really encountered a lot and i also saw that there was really like an age gap because um a lot of these sustainability driven professionals um especially like the yeah, we call it the switcher. So the, those are the professionals that already have work experience, but not necessarily in sustainability. But they want to make the switch to working in, in the sustainable sector. And they are often quite insecure about what they can yeah, can do because um, they already have work experience, but they, but they don't have like the, the most recent knowledge on sustainability-related topics. So... Um, and whereas the starters, they have like knowledge, like uh, like you two also have, uh, because they recently graduated, um, but they don't have like this work experience. And you also have these employers at the same time who are looking actually for both most of the time. Um, so what you, so I think for example, like a buddy system could be like a solution in in practice to. Um, maybe well hire like if it's possible to hire like a, a junior a starter and a switcher more like a meteor profile and connect those two in the organization itself so that the older person can also function as a sort of mentor or well they can actually function as a mentor for each other um, because the switcher often has a lot of experience in soft skills so project management um working together change management um those kind of skills which the starter often does not really have that makes a lot of sense and i've never even heard yeah. that that's like a thing but yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah it's really interesting and it also sounds like bridging this gap um mm -hmm. can be something very very meaningful mm -hmm. very helpful in, in driving sort of the, the sustainable transition um so do you actually get to sort of implement what you took out of that in your job yeah, I uh, I did actually because um, well what because I also work as an HR advisor and um, what we did because we see that we have a lot of knowledge and experience with working with yeah both party both parties so as well the professionals as the uh, sustainable or becoming sustainable employers um, so I sort of bundled this in or in a white paper um, so it's also it's like a yeah paper, um, not academically, not an academic paper, but more like a commercial paper, um, in which I sort of yeah showed these different types of personas in sustainability. So I highlighted so the starter, the switcher, and the the grower. We say in Dutch. Um, so people who already work in sustainability but want to grow more in their job or do more on sustainability. And um, in this white paper, I, yeah, I highlighted what like the needs are of these different personas, um, because 
for example, a starter also has different expectation, different expectations of a job in sustainability than a switcher has, for example. So, um, and in this white paper, we really try to, uh, yeah, to highlight these personas and also to give organizations concrete tools and tips um, to make this work in practice. That was actually going to be one of our questions, if you have room for creativity, but it really seems like you have because you kind of implemented um, your research at the end of the day. Yeah? Yes, yeah, I did. Yeah, and it's also, well, like we already talked about a bit before, is we're a small company, so um, there's, I think, well, especially at small companies, there's always a lot of room for creativity. So if you have an idea, it's also... Um, just like okay go for it and uh, see where it ends um and if you need help just let us know but just go for it so um yeah anik and i also had the idea for this white paper and then it was like okay i just think of what you like uh, to write about and then just uh, just go for it yeah so maybe on a, on, a, on a bigger scale do you feel like um in your job uh, that you have a meaningful positive impact on the world yeah, I like this question. Um, and I also think, well, personally, I feel that I have like a meaningful job and that I also have a positive impact, but in a very indirect way. Because, for example, if we look at this matchmaking recruiter part, um, I help, for example, for a sustainability consultant, um, I help uh, them to make impact in their work on like an environmental level. But personally, I don't have the feeling that I like impact the environment through my job in a very positive way or not, not necessarily also negative, but also not positive. Um, but I think the social impact is uh, positive, but then also, again, like indirect. So you say that basically the companies have a positive impact and maybe a sustainable impact. Um, but how much of, a, of an issue is greenwashing? I always find it um, a bit hard also to ask this question, although it's really good to always be critical on this side in sustainability. Um, so it's good that you uh, ask. Um, and what, well, my personal answer would be there are always rotten apples between all the good intentions so of course there are always companies organizations who are saying they're doing a lot but actually are not doing that much um but i also have to mention that i think greenwashing is quite subjective because for example i've spoken to many professionals yeah also for example for my thesis um um who who were really yeah concerned about this greenwashing uh, topic um but and also we're really like strict in the way that oh i don't want to work for a, for an organization that is uh, uh too commercial because then it's greenwashing whereas other type of professionals say like oh i want to work for an organization that is commercial because then i have more um yeah room to really do things um, because there's money um and um if it's not yeah, they say like, oh, like it has to be commercial because otherwise it's only for the stage, uh, but there won't be real change. Um, and what we also do at Sustainable Talent, if we um, select organizations we work with, um, we always ask if there's like a mandate. Um, so if there's like 
is this organization really going to be more sustainable? Like, what is the role? Uh, what responsibilities and what sort of power does this new sustainability manager really has? Uh, and of what kind of level in the organization is this person going to be placed? So, for example, uh, recently we also worked for a fast-moving consumer goods organization, which you can already wonder from the start, like, okay, is this... Like, are we going to work for this organization because they're selling so many products that we don't necessarily need? So you can already say that's per definition not really sustainable. Um, but again, as consumers, we buy these products. So these organizations also have to become more sustainable in the end. Um, but there, the sustainability manager was, we well, we, we placed a sustainable sustainability manager at this organization um and our choice to really um continue with this organization was also to because the person was entering at like management level so at quite a high level within already like a big organization and already talking to the direction direction and uh, people like that so then we were like oh, okay but this person who is going to work on sustainability within this organization will have the ability to really change things within this organization so that was really important for us and i think that's also uh in the greenwashing aspect uh important to look like yeah with a critical view and uh, for multiple perspectives yeah, yeah and i'm sure you guys have the experience and stuff and you can tell the two apart as well like if the mm -hmm. same company would have hired a sustainability person like at the very bottom of the hierarchy obviously you might have thought and then it's more like in the greenwashing um you know, area, but if they're at management level, it seems like they have the intention to change. So Yeah. So are there any sort of hard hard limits? So I don't know, I think the, the typical example would be would be Shell. <laughs> yeah. Um I think actually there won't well there will be hard limits in the sense that if uh for example Shell would uh, would call us and say like oh we need a sustainability consultant um but if that's if that person is going to be sort of alone uh and yeah won't have any power to really make a change then then i think we won't do it but if um if there's like a if shell is looking for a new sustainability director that has well this mandate to change things at a director level or at a management level and yeah i think we will work with them yeah okay and then sort of who makes the decision uh if something qualifies as being worth taking on as a client uh or, or not yeah well we will probably do this um in our team meeting so we will discuss this and see like okay what are the pros and cons and um also of course you also have to think about the reputation of a company because some people if um we work with uh, yeah Some people might also have something like, oh, why are you working uh, with them? Um, so we will always have to be able to yeah, defend like why we work, why we are working with a certain company. But I do also have to mention that um, sustainable talent, we are very mission driven. So our mission is really to put people in the right place to accelerate the sustainable transition. And... What I really like about sustainable talent and also about Anique is that 
we are really like we want to empower like everyone who work wants to work in sustainability and this also means that we want to empower organizations that want to become more sustainable so even if there's maybe just one person within the organization that is really uh keen about yeah make making the company more sustainable then we are there to to help them and empower them um, and I I re always really like this because I noticed that in sustainability, it can also be quite black and white. So people are always like, okay, uh, oh yeah, um, okay, well you might not eat eat uh, meat, but you're still not a vegan, so you still eat cheese and have like a ne negative impact on on Earth. Um, well, I would argue to see this a bit more, um, not as strict, yeah. So. That's why that's why what I also really admire at uh, at sustainable talent and at Anique, yeah. I mean, given we've already talked about like greenwashing and what kind of um, clients you work with, maybe we can talk a little bit about the green job market in general. So, I mean, uh, I think given our background in international studies, our first question would be, yeah, what kind of jobs are there for soft science people in the sustainable sector? I do see that, for example, if you take a sustainability manager, what I notice is that they're often also very, um, have very different backgrounds. So I also know sustainability managers that have been studying um, communication, for example. And also, so I think this also says a lot that even if you're soft science, uh, yeah, you have a soft science background, you can still work in sustainability um i think law is also of course also a good example you have like environmental law which i think is only getting more important um i think also um yeah if you have like a more commercial background uh, and not like the necessarily technical background you this can also be very important for well several jobs actually in uh, sustainability um but I think especially, yeah, you can also turn the question around. Like, I think if you really want to uh, work, for example, as a consultant, uh, as a sustainability consultant, you will advise other people or organizations on how to become more sustainable. So then, of course, it is needed to know certain tools such as LCA, uh, SPTI, ESG, um, and how that works in practice. But I think for a lot of different roles, you don't necessarily need this yeah, technical background. It depends a lot on what you want to do. Um, and I would say, yeah, okay, see in which sector, which field you would like to work in sustainability um, and where you want to make impact and go on from there what is needed um, or what backgrounds other people have that are already working in that job and then go from there. Do you do you see the job market like kind of shifting in a certain direction? Like, do you think it's moving? Um, yeah, towards a certain direction and within the next few years in particular? Yeah, it's of course always a bit hard to predict the future and what it's going to look like um, because it's influenced by so many factors. But what we do see and can conclude is that sustainability is no longer only about the climate. Um, and I think we're also moving toward a more like integral way of reporting. So it's not only the sustainability manager or department anymore that has to yeah, report on sustainability and where it's going. But um, 
I think we're moving more towards, yeah, like multiple value creation so that multiple departments will have to report on what they're doing on sustainability. And this is also being, um, uh, this is also going to be in legislation. So you have the CSRD from 2024 that's, uh, yeah, going to work. Uh, that requires also like a lot of companies to report on their impact. We always compare this with digitalization. So um, like, I don't know, uh, 20, 30 years ago, like no one knew how to use a computer, only a few people. Uh, and those were then the experts. And then I also see sustainability as a sort of basic skill in the coming few years so that everyone will know kind of how to work on sustainability. Yeah, I think that was pretty much it. Thank you so much for such an enlightening conversation. I think we really learned a lot about the job market.